0: Good day, everyone. This is your host, Chuck Smith, the Knowing Place Podcast. And tonight, episode eight is a very special episode because we're going to discuss a very serious topic here in observance of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And I have two very special guests, one of which is a domestic violence survivor as well as advocate for domestic violence victims. The other is a domestic violence professional who works in the arena of social work and advocates also for domestic violence victims. They're going to join me tonight for a dynamic, in-depth discussion about domestic violence, first-hand accounts. And as usual here at The Knowing Place, the hope is to liberate, empower, and encourage. So... We hope to give tonight someone some resources, some encouragement, and a way to get help if they need it to get out of a situation that could be dangerous for them. So stay tuned. We'll be right back and we'll get right into this discussion. Thanks. Be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Knowing Place podcast with your host, Chuck Smith. So I have a couple of special guests with me tonight, Miss Shonda Woods and Miss Vanessa Whiting. So ladies, tell us a little bit about yourselves before we get started.
1: Well, uh, I'll start first. My name is Shonda Woods, and I am, uh, first of all, just thankful and I appreciate you for inviting me and including me um, on this podcast, giving me the opportunity to just share my uh, experience and my knowledge as uh, an advocate um, in the area, in the field of social work. I have been, um, I've been in this field, this is the only thing I've done professionally, uh, you know, since I graduated and I've been doing this for 20 plus years. My my expertise spans from child welfare, HIV and AIDS, um, school social work, I uh, have primarily uh, done the last 12 years I've worked um, uh, as a direct service worker with uh, housing. So uh, with the correlation to end homelessness and uh, any and all things related to people with uh, disabilities and uh, uh, victims of sorts to keep them housed. and get them on a stability, on a, on, a, uh, on a plane where they are able to just mainstream back into uh, society. So, Chuck, I appreciate you using this platform to let us uh, just make aware of you using, you know, you being willing to, um, to uh, make aware the, just the epidemic that domestic violence is. And uh, again, I appreciate it, and I look forward to this candid and very open and um, informed discussion.
0: Great, thank you so much, Shonda. Ms. Whiting?
1: Yes, I am Vanessa Whiting. I'm a domestic violence survivor. I am also the author of the book The Matrix A Look Inside Domestic Violence. I am a certified professional life coach, a um licensed clinical pastoral counselor. And um, I've also done prevention services for um, domestic violence to bring awareness to men, not only women um, in the area, um, so that we can kind of let men know that it's not just women who need some um, advocacy. And then also a victim advocate for PADV, which is a partnership against domestic violence in the greater Atlanta um, area.
0: Great, great. Well, I'm humbled that y'all would take the time to come on my podcast, and um, I just thank y'all for giving me the opportunity to, in some way, um, possibly provide some hope, resource for someone who just may be in need immediately tonight. So hopefully somebody will hear this and hear something that they need to hear to um, get themselves in a better place, safer place, away from potential danger. And so I'm just excited to get started with y'all tonight. So thank you again. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And I guess the easiest thing to do is start from the beginning, as crazy as that sounds. So, uh, Ms. Whiting, we'll start with you. What, what is domestic violence to you in your opinion, in your expertise? Well,
1: the, the actual definition of sort of domestic violence is the will for intimidation, um, or abusive behavior that's systematic, and a pattern of power and control that's perpetrated by is is perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. A lot of people think that that's just um, from a male perspective, but that intimate partner could be either. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a heterosexual um, relationship. It can also be a same-sex relationship. We talk more about the heterosexual um, because women are the ones who come forward to um, state their claims that they are being abused. Um, but there are men that also are, are in abusive relationships, but they don't talk about it as much because they're more embarrassed to actually tell the world that they've been abused by a female.
0: And, you know, as men, men tend to, they don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to seem weak. It'll sound like I'm weak. If I say a woman did something to exactly. me. So I that. Exactly. Exactly understand that machismo part there we got to put that to the side though and get help when we need help
1: right and oftentimes starts at um you know and ch- at childhood a lot of our abusers are victims themselves of domestic of childhood uh abuse and uh, you know uh oftentimes are also uh um ones who have grown up witnessing domestic violence it's generational so you would have seen they could have easily seen their fathers their grandfathers their uncles um and 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 uh as well as mothers um you know women can oftentimes take on the traits of the abusers especially um you know after years of just being oppressed and being you know just victims there are there's a place where you get. There's a point where you get to um, where you lash out, and then you become the aggressor. So a lot of our abusers, uh, not to, um, not to uh, minimize, and definitely not to give a pass, but they have grown up with uh, very little in their favor as it relates to facilitating a healthy, normal, nurturing relationship. It's it's almost inevitable that they're going to have some some characteristics of, of violent behavior. And unless they get some help, ongoing help, and as early as possible, it just escalates. So, Shonda, to just kind of piggyback off of that um, abusive behavior from childhood, um, that's one of the things that we kind of need to focus on, I guess, a little bit. Because if you grow up in an environment that abuses what you see, then that's the abuse and behavior that you reflect later on. Absolutely. But it I is. think a part of, like, the prevention part of it is explaining to kids, and I may be jumping ahead on, on, on that, but explaining to children what a healthy relationship looks like. Yes. yes. You know, and that love shouldn't hurt. Absolutely, and I think if they don't see that displayed, then they don't know to give anything other than what they see. And if that's abuse or aggression, then that's then that's what comes out. And I've seen where um, you know, um, for example, one of our uh, you know a mom will notice aggression in her small children, and uh, I've seen it at, at, at our shelter. That uh, she in turn she recognizes it. She uh, can identify. Like I know that this is not right, but has uh, oftentimes just been again the victim. So the child will yell and scream and kick and bite and cuss and fight. Um, and she just just scowls. You know, she just she she hovers and she protects herself. She makes excuses because she too has a hard time of recognizing what abuse is. Well, it's from my child. So you you feel guilty that your child is in this situation and you take on, you know, um, kind of a, you know, an enabling role and it doesn't help. It does not help. But again, if you're not educated, you got to educate the children need to see what healthy relationships look like. Right. And they can't see it if, if, you know, if the parents don't know. Exactly. It's a vicious exactly. cycle. It's a vicious cycle. It is. It definitely is. Power and control is not just uh, isolated to, you know, adult to adult. Children, are, I have seen where they have displayed those same characteristics to their, to their mother more so, um, and to other, uh, to their siblings.
0: Hmm. This is interesting. As y'all were talking, you know. Thinking as a school teacher, how important this type of training could be for teachers to recognize potential signs in kids, even small kids, that could be signs of something at home like domestic violence type aggressions in a small child. Oh,
1: exactly.
0: Like, like, yeah. like for se- teen dating violence, that's
1: a big thing. If
0: just, you, just like with sexual abuse type signs yeah. in children. It's important yeah. that teachers or people who are around children can recognize nuances that say there may be a problem here
1: right and 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 to that point chuck when kids display aggression you you don't always know where that aggression is coming from it, it right. doesn't necessarily right. mean it's something that's going on in the school system right, right. It, it's probably what they're built up at home and the only place they have an outlet is when they get to school right? and then Who they get they do that too They do that to the kids that are in their closest circle or they're may seem rebellious to the teacher, but that's their form of expression because they don't know how to give it any other way.
0: Right. That's so so true. There's so many different directions we could go with that. We'll stick with the domestic violence thing, but there are many other factors that could play a role in it from violence,
1: neighborhood violence. I was going to say that's why a lot of kids end up, you know, on medication because, they don't realize that there's an underlying issue, which could be some form of abuse from home, but in order to just settle that so that they can do whatever they need to do in the classroom is let me give this kid some medication, but that's right. not, it's not solving the, the underlying problem. It's right. only taking care of it temporarily. Right. You know? or, or let's you just suspend it on the wound and it's going to come off every time this, the kid goes home. Right. You know?
0: Or let's just suspend them for three or four days because they just knuckleheads right. it seems, which doesn't right. fix anything. Right, Same.
1: And that's why Awareness Month, you know, domestic violence awareness is so important because, you know, it, we are stuck in or have been stuck in a, it's a family, it's a private matter, you don't talk about it, you don't say anything about it. There's so much shame associated with uh, domestic violence, and, and kids oftentimes will tell it um, and not know it, and the consequences for that, I mean, we've had... Uh, I've seen cases where children act out in school uh, purposely so that they can come home to somewhat protect their mothers uh, from what they know goes on. And you're right; it's just seen as you know disruptive, and you want to medicate. Um, and then here you have you know you've misdiagnosed it in every way, and I also missed the part, the point, and the part of it that was the foundation, which is domestic violence, is intimate partner violence. Childhood and violence good. and you know here you are trying to pull pull from you know from sources that
0: you you know aren't privy to. Good stuff, y'all. Good information. Um and that was just the first question I had. <laughs> so let's let's keep it going here. So ladies, what are some ways an abuser can be identified? What are some signs that, are there any signs that someone could say I've noticed this in my partner could that could indicate potential violence in the future
1: oh Vanessa has that one <laughs> um well the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, isolation from family and friends wanting to be very controlling of not just um where you go what you do um, but sometimes even the finances uh and and that's just a, a a nugget of what you can see but most most abusers don't come in the package that you would think that they come in they have you know good jobs they're they're charismatic for the most part so when people on the outside see them they don't look like an abuser they can be no no offense to you cuz i know you know you're an educator but they could be a teacher, a police officer, a judge, you know, anybody that that looks like us. Even even pastors for that matter. Um but cause people come in these certain packages and you think, you know, that an abuser may look like, you know, this monster and he may not be well dressed and he's, you know, not well kept. But that's completely the opposite. Completely the opposite. Yes. So My and just for me, mine came in the right package. So I thought he was the son of a preacher, well-dressed, well-groomed and well-versed, came from a good background. Parents were amazing. So I never saw that coming and it didn't happen right away. So when someone gets in the relationship, they don't know that they're going to be in an abusive relationship because that person has the characteristics of a normal person until they can't have control of the individual that's in front of them, that's in that relationship with them. And it happens over time. Right. And I'll, 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 I'll say some other things about that because it takes me to the, the question that people always ask is why, why don't somebody leave? But we'll talk about that a little bit later. (laughs) Cause I know Shonda, we, we got a lot to say about that, right? We do have a lot to say. Right. So I'll save that for a later question. But yeah, the abuser looks like any and everybody. There is no there is no certain certain look. Um they definitely have a motive though. Yes. Um, but you know that's not always visible. And 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 the the uh the point is so that it is not. If you, you know, if you met a guy and the first thing he did was, you know, slap you in the face, well then you know, that's you don't know, Right then, that's where that starts and stops. So it's a grooming period, and all it, within that is when you uh, are charmed and just wooed, and you know. Um, uh, that's a great point. That's a great <laughs> point. Tricked, <laughs> tricked, and and to that point, they are very lavishing in their gifts at the yes. beginning because yes. they want to win you and the family, and. Mine brought roses for me to my mom to impress her at the beginning. So my mom was one over. My mm-hmm. aunt were one over. It and was that just, was his strategy. God, so amazing. Yes. He brought flowers. He does all these things externally so that people on the outside think that everything's great. But then there's a different thing that's going on behind closed doors. That you yeah. know that nobody sees, you know? That was his strategy. So right. when the time right. does come, it's almost unbelievable. Like, how can you? Surely something. Like, what did you do, or what happened? Because surely exactly. this guy wouldn't have done this, right? Exactly. I mean, that, that's that's constant. They all do that, all of them. Wow. So no matter what you look like, where you're from, what you do, yeah, that's. So, but but because because Chuck, domestic violence is all about power and control. And there are only a couple of ways you can do that. I mean, you, it, well, when I say that, you got to get it and you got to get it in good. And a lot of times you don't have to uh, do that physically. You control somebody's mind and you have them afraid of you.
0: So arrested. I think it's important. This, this is all very, very insightful and I think it's important for us to remember, as just as people in general, no matter the title or the package a person comes in, they are human. And we are flawed as humans. No matter if you're a judge, a police officer, you're prone to do, we're prone to do anything, quite frankly, as human beings. So we can't get caught up in the package so much as remembering that these are people and people are prone, we are imperfect, so we got to look past uh, yeah, the being in That's
1: a good point. Wow. We have a program at, um, uh, at the agency that I work for. It, it, it is for, um, for the batterer. Um, they don't all want to be the way that they are. You know, they do a lot of blaming. Yeah. But some of them don't understand how they got to this place. Or why they take out their anger and aggression and you know insecurities um, on who they do love? You believe it or not, um, some of them do love. Now, this is you know it, it it is definitely flawed, but they do. They love their they love their spouse. They love their partner, um, and have some genuine feel uh uh, feelings of remorse sometimes not not for everybody but some do and and want help uh and you know do what they can uh but but if you're not fixing the whole problem you know and i i know we'll get to this too but some you know that sometimes that requires that you separate everybody everybody has to go to a neutral corner that's just not realistic people have lives you gotta work you gotta live and, you know, it's not always easy to just separate and, you know, have some six, eight, you know, ten weeks where you have some, you know, intensive therapeutic treatment and, you know, while, while your bills are still getting paid and your kids are still getting fed and you still have a job and all those kinds of things. So, you know, it's, it's so deep and it's so complex and it's so embedded that, you know, it, sometimes you feel like, where is the start to this? Because if you go know to the start, then you think, okay, I can see the end. But it just goes
0: around and around and around. It's a vicious cycle. It's Indeed. a vicious cycle. Indeed. So, in light of this, how, how do you explain to children? How do you explain this kind of abuse to children? Like, what's a good approach to, I know that's delicate, but is there an easy way to explain this to children?
1: Well, I, I, I'll say this, and Shonda, I want you to to add what you see from uh, from your perspective, from you know seeing families together. Um, it's no easy way to explain abuse to children, but I think that if you kind of give that to them on the the level of their age, um, because there's no perfect answer. I think you have to let them. Like we talked about earlier, let them know what a healthy relationship should look like, um, and what love should be like. Uh, you know, outward affection of love, and you know, expressions of of, of genuine care. Yes. Um, and then once they see a pattern of this, what this healthiness looks like, then they can repeat that. But until they know or see it on the on on the repeated basis there's no easy way to explain to children what abuse is because when they see hurt or you know mommy or daddy that's all they know it, it just hurts and it doesn't just hurt the, the the victim themselves but it hurts everybody involved um what I know what I've seen to have some some um I've seen some progress in in children is when they can see right away a change in their situation. So I see that a lot at um, at shelter for our our victims who flee and go to shelter. There's uh, immediately a change in your in, in the children's environment. Um, I also do uh, uh, I have programs that I manage where you do. Um, a rat can rapidly. Everybody's not going to go to shelter, so you rapidly rehouse, or you know you do homeless prevention. Those what those uh, those programs are called. And so even in those cases where the children can see immediately a change, where there are people that come in and it's some support with uh, a very obvious different kind of vibe and tone. So you see help. You're getting things. They the children see. Um, you know immediately their mom getting food and clothes or, or whatever it is that they that she needed or whatever it is that they needed to just kind of bring some um, some sense of stability. So we really didn't have to do a lot of talking at first because some of the children aren't even uh, verbal. So, you know, like what they see, they, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely hard to communicate, but explaining it to those um, those who can communicate, uh, oftentimes just the action speaks first. And then you're able to kind of unpack what they know. Because a lot of times the my, the, the parents, uh, the, the victim thinks that the children hadn't seen or heard anything and they saw it and heard it all. I so, can contest yeah. to that. Yeah. I yeah. can yeah. contest to that. Yeah. So it's a long, it's, it's a process with, um, with teaching children, explaining what abuse is and isn't, especially when that's all they've ever known. Uh, Vanessa, what is it? Um, um, I don't know the I should, I don't know the the statistics on it, but abuse while pregnant, that's off the that's out the roof. So you're talking about in the womb these babies are experiencing this. And so how do trauma. you trauma? Exactly. 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 So it's it's a long term process with explaining what abuse is to children. And so I think that. that's done by just showing what abuse, you know, what it isn't. Right. And kind of working backwards. And, and abuse, for like speaking, speaking to that, what you just said about, and I don't have the exact number either, um, for women that are pregnant, but those, those babies come, come out with, with the trauma as if it were a baby that was a mom on drugs. Absolutely. But because you don't see that physical, Like the babies that are moms of drugs, they have syndromes of you know shaking and all that. You don't see that necessarily with um, with domestic violence abuse from pregnancy because it's not as obvious. That that baby is going to probably see the trauma later on, but it's going to come out in behavior. And then it goes back to everything else we talked about earlier: is that you know you want to medicate this kid because they're they're active or they're they're aggressive, but that aggression came came from the womb, but you don't know that because there's no true, you know, studies on right. what that what happens to that baby that has a trauma in the womb versus that baby who has, you know, the 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 addict mom because you can put you know you can put a measurement to that. You can't put mm-hmm. a measurement to, to abuse.
0: Well it- for the
1: older children, you know, like maybe, I don't know, let's start with uh maybe six and up. Uh, again, the dads or, or the abusers, um, a lot of times haven't abused the children. So they're angry with the mob. You know, I get that where you do get some education and explaining abuse to children in that, those cases are usually through therapy because they're angry. They're upset that they've been moved and displaced. You know, like you took me from my dad, um, <clears throat> you know, you got us in the shelter, we're home, we're, you know, we're whatever, uh. And they don't understand the dynamic, the dynamics, but you still got to keep it moving. So if you're fortunate enough to be able to link your child uh, with, uh, with a therapist or some kind of support group, then that helps as well. And they're able to teach, you know, in their expertise what abuse, explain what abuse is and why and how and basically how to, you know, stay away from it or at least recognize it. But that's the thing if you don't know this, that's
0: what it is well according to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists one in six abused women is first abused during pregnancy and more than 320,000 women are abused by their partners during pregnancy each year so, so
1: there you have it
0: it's a lot, a lot of babies a lot of babies
1: Vanessa what about the ones who didn't even want to be pregnant how about those that's where you get into sexual abuse. There you go. And let's talk about that because you know mo- most people when they when they think about domestic violence, it's all it's always physical, but it's not always physical. No. That to to your point about women that don't want to be pregnant, sexual abuse is a way of that man controlling. If I if I get her pregnant at this point, she's not gonna leave me because she's got my baby on the way, and it happens over and over. Yes. Because again, it's that vicious cycle. I'm going to control you, and my way of controlling you is one: I'm going to have you pregnant. So, so what are you going to do? Because you're going to need to depend on me, right? Addition, and addition, and the other way is financial. So, yep. if a woman is pregnant and she doesn't have the finances to, to hold to hold her own, um, then she's there stuck again. Um, and so that's another form. But I think the the two forms that are missed a lot is verbal and just emotional yes you don't see anything you can't hear it unless you're on the inside of it or you're the victim so a lot of people don't believe that they're in an abusive relationship when someone is calling them out of their name but that's abuse when it, it especially been. when it's continuous um, so you you get a lot of teens like we were going to speak to earlier. they're in verbal and emotionally abusive relationships in in junior high and high school, but they don't recognize they don't know it know so they think that the that the boy or the girl that they're dating loves them, but if they yell at me or if they push me a little bit, it's okay. That's really not abuse. I don't have a black eye I don't I don't have any other abuses so it's it's okay, but no, it's not okay. Because that's just the beginning of something else, something right. more, you know? Because once that control happens in the verbal state and the emotional state, then later on, once that control has been locked in, that's when the physical happens and then it's almost done.
0: So sometimes it's- the physical is just the end product, a progression starts exactly. here and ends up with physical a lot of times.
1: It's going to escalate. It's going to escalate. It's not going to just stay, you know, where. You know, where he's just, you know, talking harshly to me or calling me out of my name. It's not going to
0: it's not going to stay that way. Okay, so this is great discussion. Stick with us. Y'all we will be right back after a short break and wrap up with this deep discussion about domestic violence. Hold tight. I really hope you've been enjoying the Knowing Place podcast. I've really been enjoying recording and sharing my thoughts. And getting feedback from you all. Um, if you want to reach out to me, hit me up at the letter T, knowingplace at gmail.com. And my social media, knowingplace on Twitter, the knowing Place on Facebook, the knowing Place on Instagram. And if you'd like to support, by all means, you can support at Cash App, dollar sign, the knowingplace. Also, paypal.me forward slash chuck5470 or at my Teespring store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash the-knowing-place-the number two. Pick up a t-shirt or a mug or something if you feel like it. So again, just reach out to me. Give me some feedback, critique. Show some support if you feel motivated to. And again, thanks so much for your support. As always, peace and love. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Going to continue our discussion here with domestic violence. And the next aspect of domestic violence we want to touch on is how do you approach someone that you suspect is a victim? So, ladies, what's the best way to to broach this topic if you feel like someone you love or know or are friends with is being abused? Well,
1: I'll speak to that a little bit. Okay, I think the, the, the easiest way is to let them know that you're there to listen, that you may have observed something that didn't quite seem right to, to, to you, um, and let them know that you're there if they need your help. And not be judgmental, because I think a lot of victims don't tell anybody because the first thing somebody does is judge and say what they wouldn't do or, or that wouldn't be me you know but I think if somebody felt that they were in a safe environment that that you were going to be safe with there maybe what they need you to keep as a secret that, that you were safe with that and that you weren't judging them um from a place of I can't believe that you're in that um more victims would probably be more apt to come to you and say I need your help um we'll talk about maybe a little bit from Shonda's perspective from, from a social work at what that looks like to be safe. Because I think once a victim gets to the point that they can reach out to someone, you need to have a plan for the get out. Because exactly. if you don't have a plan, most victims statistically will go back eight times before they actually get out. And a lot of that is because there's no plan in place. Right. And Shauna spoke about it earlier is that A lot of women that come to, you know, her for assistance or go to their place for for a safe haven, they come with nothing. Because when you don't have a plan, you leave at the last minute with absolutely nothing. Right. And I've been there. Right. I've taken just me and my children just so we could get out. Never thought it through. Didn't know what I was going to do afterwards. And what did I have to do? Go Go back. back. Because I had to do what she said earlier, I had a job to go to, kids had to go to school That's and right. I had to figure out what I was going to do next. Right. But eventually I got it together and I thought about it the next time around is I'm going to have a plan because I don't want to have to go back. But it's not the easiest thing to do. But if you have somebody that you can really trust, um, find yourself a safe word, safe place, how you going to exit, take all the important you know, documents. If you have to have a copy of those things, have those in a safe place with somebody maybe outside of the household. So if you do have to leave, have that extra bag somewhere so that you can grab the kids if you have kids, pets if you have pets, scoop them up and go. But I think if, if people have a little more um, empathy and, and, and show support, a lot more victims will get out a lot sooner and get out alive. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as a uh, from an advocacy standpoint, the way you approach is to have have something ready for them. So as as they are uh, disclosing, then you know we got somewhere for you to go. And it's and it's not always about leaving right then. Maybe it is remembering our phone number. Don't write anything down. Nothing that somebody can find. But you remember our phone number. Remember our website. Social media has played such a big, a big role in getting out um, information, and not having to see it on a billboard, you know, on the street, or you know, you know, seeing a TV commercial. So you can discreetly um, gather, you know, gather the information that you need. And when they make the call, when somebody says, you know, what I know somebody, I got somebody that I that I need, uh, you know, to, to reach out to you. Uh, then you're ready. You're ready with the resources. And like Vanessa said, sometimes it's just a plan. I can't tell you how many times we have, I've done safety planning before there was ever even uh, an escape, a move. Because when you you make the move, Chuck, you are at, um, that's the most dangerous time for a victim. At the moment she leaves, then it's kind of, you know, it's you know, almost a do or die. Right. So you need to have support and you need to have people that you have, um, that you have ready to receive you with everything or with nothing. So that's where, that's where I am on, uh, you know, like that's the other, the other side of this. So as you approach someone without, you know, you don't want to offend, you don't want to assume, you don't want to, you know, turn somebody off, but if they, if they give you a little bit of room and they say yeah i think i need i'm ready then on my end i'm ready and that's for anything
0: right
1: and when i say anything i mean you know getting you to a shelter getting you to a safe place maybe if it's just for 24 hours to come up with the with the with the plan or you know something that we thought out and when he leaves to go to work we are exiting to get you out into a place where we've already i've already negotiated with you know a landlord i'm able to pay deposits and you know uh arrears or wherever it or whatever it takes to get you um to get you to a point where you don't have to go back because you got to go back if you don't have a place to go you know you don't if there's no
0: so stable yep.
1: setup you have to
0: Y'all both kind of touched on the last question we were going to ask, and that was, why do victims stay? And one of the main things y'all both said pretty much is a lack of planning. If you don't have a plan, you end up having to go back to the only source or resource you have, and that's back to the danger zone, if you will. So outside of lack of planning, though, I mean, are there other factors or reasons that women stay besides not having a plan? Like, is love a factor sometimes? You just feel like you can love them out of it or?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Shonda, can I can I speak to that and then I'll Absolutely. let you kind of piggyback on that. Um, more times than not, love is the factor. Mm. Because when you when you go into a relationship like any other one, you don't go into that relationship expecting to be abused. You go into that relationship with the person that you fall for, and by the time you get to any any thought that abuse is even present, you're in love. So you don't think anything other than I'm going to work this out because I love I love him and I know he loves me. He he didn't mean to do that this time, and he won't do it again. I know he won't do it again because he loves me. So love is a big factor, and 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 I'm going to give a couple of the statistics. But children are also a big factor, and for some people who don't have children and pets or their children, yes. that is a big factor as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. But you you may hear statistics a lot of times and you hear that one in four women uh, will experience violence. Men also experience violence. I think you
0: know, it's, I think it's one, one in nine.
1: One, one, I'm sorry? I
0: think it's one in nine for men.
1: One in nine, they will experience some form of severe intimate partner violence in their lifetime. And, we, and I'll go back to the why they stay and Sean touched on, you know, that's the dangerous time. It is the most dangerous time for a victim to leave. And what people don't often realize is that if there's a weapon present in the house, it is 500% times the per, the the victim. It increases their, you know, it increases by 500%. And that's a lot. That is a lot. That's a whole lot. And so, 15% of all violent crimes are from domestic violence. Wow. And, and and 34% of people who are injured by an intimate partner don't even go for treatment because when they go to a, a medical professional, they're gonna have to report that there is some form of injury and they have to investigate. Right. And because the, the repercussions of a victim having to go back to that, relationship or back home to their abuser they're not going to take the risk so they heal at home so that they don't have to deal with that because and i believe and you may want to uh, just check the statistics on that but i believe it's 35 percent don't seek um legal attention from you know police officers because when they go to make the report there's nothing done why is that? Yeah. Do you think? I don't know. <laughs> one, <laughs> one, they don't, one they don't want to get involved in in home domestic situations. Right. Two, if there's no any, there's no physical marks, there's nothing they can do legally. But what usually happens is, by the time the abuser has made some marks, you you're either severely injured or you're dead, right? My personal, my personal case is in my in my county. When my abuser was uh, intimidated me by words in his presence and and the knowing that there was a gun in the house, I left to make a report on that, and was told by the officer, "There's really no reason for me to make the report. There's no physical marks. There's really nothing I can do at this point." So how do you think that makes a victim feel when you go to law enforcement for help and and they won't do anything until there's a physical mark? To me that makes no sense. That
0: makes right. no sense. Well, according to the Bureau of Justice, this is bjs.gov, um, during the 10-year period, during a 10-year period an average of about 582,000 non-fatal domestic violence victimizations were not reported to police each year. In about a third, 32% of these unreported victimizations, victims cited the personal nature of the incident as a reason for not reporting it to the police. Thank
1: you. And so the violence is continued. It continues. The vicious cycle that we talked about earlier.
0: Wow. Well, I have to believe that shedding light on it like we're doing tonight will make a difference. If it makes a difference to one person, yes. we've achieved our goal, I feel. Yes. Good. Most
1: definitely. I agree. I agree.
0: So are there any other aspects, things y'all want to share, you want to give tonight that we haven't already touched on? Anything that comes to mind? or you feeling in your heart that you want to share? I,
1: the 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 thing that I would want to leave people with, you know, because we we talked about um, why victims stay or, um, it is very complex to why victims stay, you know, and it could be different for each individual. But Shonda touched on it earlier that when, when a victim says, you know, I want to leave, that is really the most dangerous time, um, for a victim. That was the most dangerous time for me. Mm -hmm. I had been through all forms of, um, the abuse. And when I told my abuser, that I'd had enough. I just couldn't live like that anymore. Is when I got the nine millimeter gun held to my temple, um, because he refused to let me leave without him being in control of of that leaving. So he would rather have taken my life than to let me just walk away. You know, and I'm thankful, you know, that I'm here. But I think that's why, you know, I have to tell my story yes i have to not be in silence anymore and and i think that think i think what people don't realize is that silence is what hides the violence over and over mm-hmm. yes you know and silence can kill Absolutely. silence will kill so people people live in that type of abuse over and over because they don't know how to get out um and then we have a lot of people that don't get out but i will say i think if people kind of gather the information that they need, educate themselves on what that looks like. You can have some empathy for the person um, that might be in a situation that you're not in um, and not be judgmental. Because I think if you can love the person through whatever the situation they're going through, might help them come out alive on the other side. So Shonda, I'll let you you um, finish from there. The other side of... You know, it that looks a that, that looks a lot of different ways. Um, I have, uh, uh, I've serviced uh, victims who got away, but you never, you know, they they aren't that they still aren't uh, far from uh, the grips and the grasp, grasp of of the abuser. Chuck some women, some victims. Um, have more than one abuser. You know, it's not just you know you know, don't just have one. Uh, and that's a whole other you know a a, a top, you know for another another discussion. But, uh, supporting and empowering, uh, victims, and and watching or um, going with them as they transform, trans, you know, transfer from a victim to a survivor and then to a thriver, but even in the thriving mode, the thriving place, um, there's still so much that you have to do. You never really, well, I don't want to say never, but it's hard to get out of it, which is why it's so important that people understand at the onset what it is. And everybody recognize it for what it is, it's a crime domestic violence is a crime and if it was punished as such that might help in you know and in, and in, in some of this but if we understood it uh, the root then they're safe the once there's their safety in numbers so to speak so the more of us that know the more uh, people know that they can go and they can reach out and get some get some help get some support ongoing, I think things would um, would would manifest differently and it wouldn't be, uh, you know, three and four and five generations of violence. It's hard to pull. It's hard to come out of that. It's hard to come out of that. But we have to, uh, I, I, some of my barriers uh, are even uh, um, um, social service agencies, just people in your community. Everybody doesn't get it. They want to help. They want to do. They want to, you know, you know, they want to, but just understanding, just like Vanessa said, you have to understand what this is and recognize it and then empathize. Everybody's not a victim, but just because you aren't doesn't mean that, you know, uh, all all, all you need to do is A, B, C, D, E, and then you'll be fine. Well, We have to understand that that this is, uh, it's a social, it's a public health issue.
0: For sure. For sure.
1: And we need to treat it as such. Funding, lobbyists, uh, you know, federal, you know, the local level, all of it. You know, you, you just get pennies kind of thrown at you to, to provide services. Right. Not, you know, that helps. But we right. need, it needs to be understood and recognized for what it is.
0: For sure. Well, ladies, I want to thank you. And I want to say, do y'all want me to have people maybe just contact through my email address if they want to reach out to y'all or do y'all want to give some contact yourselves and please Vanessa, please share your website if you'd like and the title of your book and where they can find it, things like that and whatever you want to share, or we can do it through my web, through my email. If you don't want to give out too much, either one of you.
1: No, that's, that's fine. The, the, my web address is soulful-solutions.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at soulfulsolutions13 or Soulful Solutions LLC on Facebook.
0: Great, we'll be following. And, uh-huh.
1: and then the title—the title of the book, I'm sorry—is *The Matrix: A Look Inside Domestic Violence*. It, it can be found on Amazon. It's uh, in hard copy and also in the Kindle version.
0: Nice. Y'all pick that up ASAP. I already got one copy. I'm going to buy some more and hand them out to especially the ladies in my life, just because they need the awareness for sure. So y'all go get a copy of that or two ASAP. Shonda, anything you want to share?
1: No, I think you have the, um, the domestic violence hotline number on that's your on my podcast.
0: podcast profile. That's a
1: good place to start. That's a, you know, that's a good place to start. I think the, um, the website is uh, the hotline.org.
0: I have another website too posted uh, okay. on my profile that has all types of resources from right. child trafficking to domestic yeah. violence of all types. So check out my podcast profile there to get immediate contact numbers as well. And as well, also reach out to Vanessa. Check out her pages, her social media, her website. Definitely check out her book and get some help some kind of way reach out at uh, the letter t knowing place at gmail.com if you want to email me and i can get you in touch with some people who can help you we'll do all we can to help you uh we love y'all and as we said if we can help you by all means don't hesitate to reach out anything else ladies that was a
1: great conversation we need to do more
0: of it we will for sure thank y'all for listening tonight we'll be back with more episodes later Peace and love.